and welcome. I couldn't keep that going. Once I realized that you guys were jumping in there to like harmonize, I could not. I could not keep that going. Um, <laughs> I was going to feel the stop so I could go. Oh, <laughs> but then Connor started harmonizing. I was like, well, I gotta yeah. change that bit. Hello and welcome back to Chapter Chumps, a reading podcast. We are your chumps, here to talk some chapters. We are currently making our way through uh, The Fellowship of the Ring by J.R.R. Tolkien. Today, we're going to be discussing chapters 12 and 1 <laughs> of The Fellowship of the Ring. Um, that doesn't make any sense. What the uh, yeah, fuck? What, is what is going on there? Uh, what kind right? of nonsense are you spouting? Yeah. Um, all, all will be revealed in due time. Um, but, uh, but yeah, we, we're in the, the midst of a transition, of a change, you know. As one door closes, another opens. Um, and we, we're in a cool part where we get to, to read the end of one thing and the beginning of another here in our two-chapter increments. So um, I think this will be fun to kind of break down and talk about um, <clears throat> where, we where we where we left off last time uh, we kind of got this cliffhanger ending where Frodo has been uh, stabbed by one of the black riders um, and and then he, he loses consciousness and it's like things are not looking good. What is next for our intrepid heroes? Things went from bad to worse. <laughs> yes. You can say that again. Things went from bad to worse. Thank you. That was good. You don't have to say it a third time. Uh, well, I might, I, I, I might say it at the end of this chapter, too. Okay. As we talk about it. I kind of signaled you to repeat it once which it you know it's cool that you took me up on that and you did it but now i'm also kind of like being really clear about the fact that you don't have to do it again you know yeah i know i don't have to but i might do it again okay just giving you a warning <laughs> that's fine sorry i'm reading my notes to remind myself what to talk about today yeah Let's uh, let's go through our chapter summary for Chapter Twelve: Flight to the Ford. If Josh uh, is already giggling, this podcast episode is going to be really funny. I bet if he's already <laughs> giggling, maybe, maybe. I yeah. fair warning to our listeners: I am on four hours of sleep right now, so I apologize. Fair warning to our listeners: I'm at least two whiskeys in right now, so me and Josh are practically on the same level. <laughs> You're not that off. You're not that far <laughs> off. And Connor, um, your soda count for the audience, please. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna, I'm just gonna be nursing a whole uh, two liter throughout the podcast. So. <laughs> That's already half empty. No, not quite. A third empty. Yeah, a third empty. Uh, you. That was that was a real. Uh, it's below the label. That that was a bait yeah. and switch because when you said nursing, I was like, "Oh, he's taking it easy tonight." But uh, no, you're going hard. Uh, you're you going know, in. I always go hard. Yeah. 
so flight to the Ford. Um, so Frodo, he he awakens and he's flustered, panicked. You know what's going on? I just got stabbed. Um, and then everyone's like, Frodo, chill. Um, and when I say everyone, I actually just mean Aragorn. Everyone else is pretty freaked out. But yeah. Strider is like, okay, like, we can deal with this. It's kind of like, um, you know, you're, like, watching someone else's kid, and they, like, bang their head into the kitchen counter, and you're like, no, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay, it's okay. You know, if you say it enough, then, like, they'll just, you kind of get, control over the situation again but like you also know that it's deeply fucked um and you're gonna have to take him to the hospital right and they might yeah. not make a full recovery <laughs> right. you're just hoping that no one will notice and yeah. you can pass it off exactly you'll, you'll still get paid 20 dollars for babysitting you know and you're only 14 you, like and you go home and you block the parents you know phone numbers and, yeah you know yeah. you you move yeah, a new town and your name, you know. Possible. Um, years every, later, you every so you, often you, you look up their on social media, right? Yeah. You know, and it wasn't, and it was bad. It wasn't Make good. Sure that, that nothing's wrong with the kid, but there's really no pictures of the kid, and you're <laughs> even worse. So something but happens. You can, you can't reach out to the parents to to ask because you just immediately incriminate yourself yeah, for asking such a specific question years later. No like, good way to do it. It uh it just can't happen. So yeah. it's kind of it's like sort of the same thing it's with like Aragorn. That, that, yeah, it's like that universal experience. It's right. Everyone's been there. Yeah. Right, Josh. I missed how this started, so I okay. I gotcha. So we're just gonna we're gonna move on. Okay, we're gonna yeah. move on. So, anyways, so Frodo uh, got stabbed, and it's bad, guys. Um, <clears throat> but they uh, they continue. Strider has hope because he's like, you know, we're not really that far from Rivendell. He kind of knows the path that he wants to take. And so we kind of go through this whole process of them traveling and like being very afraid and suspicious and like constantly looking over their shoulder, but then like nothing happens and it kind of makes them like even more freaked out. Like, why aren't they doing anything? Um, but we get a lot of description of like Frodo's pain, the traversal of the landscape, their, their, um, you know, their burdens, they're they're very weighed down literally and metaphorically yep um but eventually they they do make it to um they kind of go through this this part where they realize they're in the same place where bilbo meant the trolls which was kind of interesting and we'll even sort of come back to that whole idea of like frodo interweaving through bilbo's journey Especially in the next chapter, um, but but for now it's just kind of like an interesting aside. And then like as they go on, they get onto the path again. They know that they're in more danger because they're on the road. As they get closer to Rivendell, they meet up with uh, Glorfindel. Glor Glorfindel. It was a very alien-sounding name that then ended in a very elven-sounding name. Yeah, it does sound a bit uh, like... Could be a hitchhiker's name. 
Yeah, or just like some sort of comic book alien name, just named Glorfin. Yeah. Yeah. But then uh, but, you, had, so, you had the Dell at the end, and then that's Tolkien. <laughs> yes, yeah, right. Rivendell, Glorfindel. Here we are. So they meet up with Glorfindel, who Aragorn knows. Um, and it's like, okay, Aragorn's like really in with the elves here, huh? Um, and they, you know, Glorfindel does what he can for Frodo's wounds. They continue on. Of course, the Black Riders show up. It's like a pincer attack. They're coming from behind, they're coming from the side. They make a rush across the river, um, and just when it seems like Frodo is about to be overtaken. attacked, yeah, over overtaken, whatever, um, there's a great flood through the river that that um, washes away the Black Riders, and then Frodo loses consciousness again. <laughs> again. Yes, that's also something that, that does seem to happen a lot. And things went from bad to worse. <laughs> and there's the rule of three. You can say that. And you did. <laughs> I, said, so. I said, and things went from bad to worse. Okay, okay. And well, now three. There we go. So, um... Connor, tell us your thoughts on Flight to the Ford. Um, I don't know. I mean, it was good. It was like, you know, nerve wracking because you're like, man, Frodo has this wound. You know, he's like not doing well. He's being lugged around, whatever. But I don't know. It just feels... I feel like they could have done that with, you know, especially because they both end the same way. Obviously, like more happens in, you know, their their encounter at the end of this chapter. But it just felt like I don't think we needed Frodo to be. I I don't know. It just felt kind of uh, like a like a bit of a slog for me. Um, what did you feel? like was unnecessary or could have been like added into another chapter i just think they could have combined like the last chapter in this chapter i guess um it just felt like like you know there's this big cliffhanger with frodo being stabbed and then you know he's injured and then this builds up to another cliffhanger with him in a conflict and it's just like you know i it's it's just you know my my biggest frustration so far with this book <laughs> Which is, you know, still pretty small. I mean, I don't. I I, I am enjoying it. I did enjoy this chapter, um, but it's just like it's a nitpick. Yeah, not well. You know, it's it's. <laughs> I, um, I can do a nitpick alert if you need me to. It's it's a bit of a nitpick, nitpick. Um, <laughs> that was our nitpick alert for those. Okay, nice. Unaware. Oh, yeah, so so, so Alex must be out, right? She's not in the house currently. Yeah. Um, <laughs> no, but go on. I'm sorry. Go on. Uh, it's just them getting from like point A to point B is just like it just takes fucking forever, man. You know, and it's like it, it, some stuff along the way is is interesting and fun, but I it just feels like it could be condensed. So I think that's kind of maybe my my you know modern storytelling um, preferences, I guess, leaking through, and you know, obviously like. Something like Hitchhikers is like zip zap zip. We're in you know five places at once. Um, yeah. So I mean, it, you know, just it's just a different pace, and so it's just been a bit 
bit frustrating. Um, but but the content is all fine. I, you know, I I think it's it, you know it's it's interesting to have Frodo out for the count uh, for most you know for this entire chapter really. Um, but yeah, it just kind of wore me out a bit. Yeah, I understand that. Um, I definitely have some thoughts I want to share on that. But I, is there anything in there that you want to respond to, Josh? Um, not specifically. No, um, I do agree that it probably is. It, it does feel a bit like repetitive after the last chapter where they're fleeing and uh, Frodo gets knocked out again. It just it just feels uh, like a classic series Doctor Who episode where where they they get captured and then it's a cliffhanger then they're released and then they get captured again another cliffhanger you know just it's i mean that's just yeah that's just serialized storytelling uh it, this is probably right before that became extremely popular or, or when it did become extremely popular because that that originated from radio yeah yeah um not saying that tolkien is writing a radio play like hitchhiker's guide was partially written to be but uh, I mean, it, I mean, from that he's from that same time period. When yeah, I think it's it, fair it to say that this influence. is this either informed that trend or was a part of that you know an, an early wave of that trend before radio. I mean, or you know, while while the very first radio dramas or this came out of the in, in what the fifties. Yeah. Or? Honestly, I was thinking this would probably be at the time, this might be like the peak of the radio drama would be in the 50s, yeah, right? Because okay. once you get to the 60s is when you start getting like TV. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, well, am, am I 50s, wrong about that? 50s would be, you'd have ser- you'd have some series like, uh, I must say like Flash Gordon and stuff would be like, uh, from at like movie theaters and stuff. Maybe not. I think like, 50s is towards Gordon, the end but... of of the radio drama. Like that was the, all the rage, probably right. Because then we get into yeah. TV, yeah. I, I think it would have got switched over to video. And but a lot. Of I was thinking of the, the you know over. 30s and 20s, but I'm thinking of I was thinking of the Hobbit timeline. So that, so, so yeah, this is right. Yeah, in line me with too. That. Me too. But I mean, he would have been writing it throughout the 40s and 50s, wouldn't he? Yeah. 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 Which is no, when I radio mean, would have been prevalent. I I think. It's interesting because without knowing a lot about Tolkien, and it's funny to say that because, like, again, there there just is, like, a, a, a an actual scholarly feel you can get into just, that's just solely about him. Like, it's not even really about Lord of the Rings. It's just there's about little, him. I mean, there's a Wikipedia page we could take the time to read, but... Yeah, no, but but again, we don't. That's our whole shtick. So, so all, all I mean is to preface this is, like, you know, without actually having done any research or knowledge on it, it is kind of funny to think about, like, oh, you know, could Tolkien have been influenced by, you know, the, these other popular mediums around him? And I think the answer is yes. But also, I get the vibe, I get the feeling um, from the way that he writes, from the thing that he, the things that he focuses on in his writing, that, like, um, not that he would be, like, anti-technology, but, like, he, he clearly seems to have, like, this this uh affection this kind of romant romanti romanticization of uh like like the pastoral you know the the you know like like that simpler life and so it it would be funny if he actually was influenced by that i would have to imagine it wasn't intentional but um for the most part like we were kind of talking about how there haven't been very many cliffhangers in his writing so far 
it is just kind of funny that these happen back to back, I think is the yeah. thing. Yeah. But for the most part, like we actually were talking about how, especially in The Hobbit, like each chapter feels like a self-contained adventure that's kind of like strung into the larger narrative. So I don't think he relies on cliffhangers very much, but I, I do get both of your points saying like, you know, it, it feels like it's kind of like drawing this part out because we get to cliffhangers back to back and it's like they're the same cliffhanger, you know? Um, so yeah. it is kind of like, what's the deal? I think the only other thing I want to add on to that before we get to like, I'm sure there's notes to go through and stuff. But yep. one of the notes that I had that I wanted to mention and something that we've been touching on a lot because you can't not read Tolkien and like come up against this, this point, this idea where it's like, wow, the more you read through this story, the more you realize just how much Tolkien spends uh, you know, his, his page time describing the landscape. And <laughs> sometimes I, I do feel like it's kind of agonizing to read through. But I wanted to mention for this chapter here, Flight to the Ford, I, I liked it because we know that Frodo is, like, in pain. And not only that, he can't walk. So they put him on the pony and they have to divvy up like most of the baggage to all the other uh, members of the party. And like they describe that as they're going through the forest, like because Frodo's on a pony, they can't actually go up the paths that they want. They have to take all these weird long routes. And then suddenly it's like raining, but it doesn't just rain a little bit. Like it just rains for days. And this is one of those chapters that really made me think about like, Tolkien really, really trying to get the reader to think about, like, what if you had to walk to somewhere very far away? Which yep. sounds dumb on the surface, but it's like, if if I had to just, if it was like, oh, Connor, I'm going to go hang out with you in Connecticut, but I had to walk there, <laughs> just imagine the adventure in and of itself it would be for me to to get there. It's incredibly far away where you live. And we live in, in a world that like uh, makes it very easy to just dismiss the vast distances that we travel all the time. And I think Tolkien's trying to get people to focus on like the realities of traveling in a way that like people do not have to do anymore. And it sucks. You know, it's it's like it's just oh, it's so bad to do it. Like there's great moments, but like most of the time it's like, can you just fucking imagine if you just had to fucking walk hundreds of miles? You're goddamn right. It would take you months. It would be terrible. I mean, when they say that Brie, what, what drove the hell for me was when they were saying that Brie is like a day's horse ride away. And it was still like, yeah, there's very little like interaction between Brie and the Shire. It's there, but it's still like not not super like it's not like they go they have a lot of interaction it's but they're only a day's horse ride away that's like from where we are to like hartford <laughs> right yeah <clears throat> yeah i think that's a great point and um you know he he does a wonderful job at, at illustrating that through long and repetitive <laughs> chapters <laughs> 
<laughs> right. Yeah, no, I mean, all that's, this, like, I'm not even saying that I'm, like, gripped. You know, it's not like I'm like, oh, this is so engaging. Like, there's plenty of times where, like, I'm bored, too, like, completely. But I do think that's, like, the point of, of him doing that. Like, I think, you know, he's obviously aware that he's doing it. And I think that a lot of it has to, like, I don't think he's just, like, obsessed with, like, describing, like, flower patches and shit. I think he's trying to translate that idea. I think both might be uh, true. I think he does like to describe that shit. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, you're right. It doesn't have to be one or the other. Um, but I, I guess I, I feel like it has that effect, right? It's like, is it is yeah. it always... I, and it, I don't. it's not always successful either, like... I remember a few chapters ago, I think especially when they're like, um, they're going through the old forest and I was like, get on with it. Like, um, so there's definitely parts where it, it feels like it just belabors the point and it's like, you know, we get it. But it is funny because Josh, like Connor and I, like we've all talked about this. And then Josh was like, isn't that the entire story? is just walking somewhere that's really far away and it's like yes so we're still in for it there's two and a half more books left of this yeah, they're still not now. close yeah they just reached rivendell which is like a third of the way through the hobbit maybe not even well i we will come back to that in the next, next chapter. chapter. Yeah. Because um, I, I do have some notes that I took down on that that I also want to share. Um, but, uh, okay, so that was, like, kind of a more broad, general overview of our chapter. Is there anything specific you want to go to here, Josh? I have quite a few notes, yes. Um, so, at the beginning of the chapter, the things that jumped out at me... Um, <clears throat> When they're explaining how Frodo is, has been injured, uh, Aragorn has found this knife hilt that evaporates in the daylight. Uh, and says that a piece of it still remains within Frodo's uh, shoulder, chest, I forget where. Uh, and that's what's basically like poisoning him. Yeah. Uh, but the way he describes it... Um... Uh, the, the, the only hurt that it did to that it did to his enemy. Oh, sorry, this was the stroke of Frodo's sword. He said, uh, "The only hurt that it did to his enemy. I fear, for it is unharmed, uh, but all, but all blades perish that pierced the dreadful king. More deadly to him uh, was the name of Elbereth." So my notes for that are, I guess this is uh, specifically referring to the blades. But it made it when I was reading it on Sunday. It made it sound like um, uh, uh, anyone who cuts the Black Rider themselves dies. I, I think it's more that um, that like regular weapons aren't effective against like like Aragorn saying like oh Frodo you you know you attacked the Black Rider with your sword but all you did was like scratch their cloak it didn't hurt them at all no mortal blade would hurt them you know they're essentially invulnerable to regular swords the thing that really that that really um, affected them was the name of Elbereth right and my follow-up note to that is uh, 
whether or not Elbreth was the name of another sword. Uh, well, that could presumably cut the Black Riders down without the wielder dying, because I was still on that tangent of, wait, is he talking about like anyone who attacks them dies effectively? Yeah. Um, I know there is there are some more swords aside from Foe Hammer and uh, was it Orcris or Orcris and Glam- Glamdring? Yeah. Um, I don't know their names. I just know that they exist. So it's, I, I'm in the I'm in the mindset that Elbreth might be one, name one of those swords. Hmm. Um. I do not have the answer for that, but I will want to talk more about Elbereth when we get to the next chapter, too. So I'll put a pin in that, and we'll come back to it. Sounds good. Um, Going to the description of the environment, I think it's really neat that when they're planning their route at the beginning of the chapter, they specifically mention that they're going to go through the woods uh, not not because it's necessarily faster, the trees will slow them down, but because there's an abundance of firewood and fuel that they could make a fire with to keep Frodo warm. Hmm. And I just think that's a, a, a wonderful attention to detail that most uh, similar stories would probably gloss over. True. And and they also know fire is uh, effective against the, the Black Rider, so it, it could be a good defense, right. too. Right, and it's not like, uh, like like when I say gloss over, I mean like they say something like, "Yeah, we'll just keep to the road, and uh, we'll just get firewood from the trees that are obviously near the road." No, it's like we're going through the woods, so we make sure that there is always fuel. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're not trusting that they're going to end up in the middle of grasslands without a tree in sight. So I think that's a really good uh, attention attention to detail both on the part of our characters and on, and on the part of the author. Yeah. Uh, then we get into naming stuff, the page after that. Um, they're heading to a place called the Trollfells. Hmm. We get the answer to this in the next chapter, but my thought was, I wonder if the Trollfells were where the three trolls from The Hobbit died. Yeah, well, a- actually, don't we get that... We get that yeah, answer that, in this that chapter. That happens in this chapter, yeah. Oh, it's in this chapter? You're, is it? So, yeah. Yeah, yeah, because the next chapter is Frodo, like, waking up in Rivendell. So anything before oh, Rivendell, right. that's Strider all here. Strider explains it and is like, Frodo, yep. you don't know your history. Or, you know, right. whatever. Or, okay, yeah. Again, I write these notes as I'm reading, so there's usually an answer, like, halfway through. Yeah. No, um, it's all good. Yep. Uh, also, I just thought that Loudwater was a really good English name for a, a river full of rapids and whitewater. It's, just, <laughs> it's like there's like three river Avons in England, and Avon is just the uh, Anglo-Saxon word for river, so they're just river rivers. Yeah. Language is fun sometimes. Isn't that like the whole uh, people make fun of chai tea for that, too? Chai tea? Because chai just means tea, so it's like tea, tea. Oh, tea, tea? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I guess so. Um, kangaroo means something like what do you mean or something like that. It, fun, fun, silly things like that. I, I, lo- I love that. But those mistakes in uh, human culture. Yeah. Um, accidents. Happy little accidents. <clears throat> okay, Bob Ross. Yeah. Uh, no, my hair's not growing that far yet. Um, you could, soon. you could get to that point though. You could do it, Josh. Uh, maybe not that far, or maybe yes, that far. No. Anyway, Josh Yolo uh, stands for "You only live once." 
I think you should I'm aware. take that into consideration, okay? Okay. All right. There we go. So So they do end up back where the trolls were. I, I realize I did I didn't yeah. think about it because my note here isn't about specifically <clears throat> them finding the trolls, but they find where the troll gold was hidden. So we have officially come back to this whole reason I started taking notes in the first place twice, whether or not they they came to retrieve the, the troll gold. Yeah. Yeah. There's uh, nothing real there for them this time. Moment. There's nothing there for them this time, but they went back twice. <clears throat> yeah, it's or funny rather, to the hear... story went back twice. It's not the same. It's the funny because Frodo and Mary and Pippin, they all talk about it. They're like, yeah, Bilbo would tell this story all the time, but I thought he was just fucking crazy. Um, <laughs> And then it's like, oh, no, that, that's exactly why he's, like, obscenely, unnaturally wealthy. Um, they're just, like, casually walking by it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I mean, the not the friend. only reason, of course. There, there's the dragon and shit. But, but it's like, oh, well, if yeah. the troll thing is true, it's like, it's all true, you know? So. <laughs> Han Solo in The Force Awakens. It's, yeah, right. It's true. All of it. All of it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, let's see. Uh, when the Black Riders show up, uh, they like it's like an ambush on the road, and uh, uh, Glorfindel is the one who who hears them coming, and his response is uh, "Fly!" He calls "Fly!" The enemy is upon us. Yeah. And my me maddled brain just wrote the note, uh, "You fools." Yeah. We'll we'll get back to that one later, I think. We will. Uh, yeah. And then my final note is on the last page. Uh, when he's talking about... Um, when when they're crossing the river, Frodo says, uh, By Elberoth and Luth- uh, Luthien the Fair, said Frodo, with, with a last effort, lifting up his sword, You shall never... You shall have neither the ring nor me. Then the leader, who is now half across the ford, stood up menacing in his stirrups and raised up his hand. Frodo was struck, stricken dumb. Uh, I just, my note there is that it's a psychic bitch slap. <laughs> Not very cultured, but that just what it struck me as. It's like, Frodo tried to diss them with this, this Elbrelf name, and the leader just kind of stood up and just like, no, you shut up. Yeah, you right. Sh- They're like, we're mouth. prepared. We're prepared this time. <laughs> you shut your fucking mouth. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Um, yeah, Frodo, uh, it was not going to be enough this time. Um, yeah, there's a couple things I want to shoot off of from your notes. Um, one is the trolls. So Frodo seeing that they're in the same region where they encountered the trolls. And then not only that, you know, they it's kind of hilarious. They have like lunch under the trolls. Like yeah. they they take a break like in the shade of the trolls stones. Um talking about like uh not a meme addled brain, but like uh, I feel like I have like story rot brain or like a reboot brain, but like it feels like that would be a scene where you make a sequel to like a, a beloved franchise property, and it's like, how can we incorporate the last book in a tasteful way, you know? And uh, Tolkien just threads the needle, you know, where it's like, um, 
like it, it makes sense that they're going this way, that they would pass by this thing. And it's cool that Tolkien acknowledges like, yeah, they turned a fucking stone. They're still here. They'll always be here. They're yep. fucking rocks. And then they just like chill there. Like it's it's fun. I liked yeah. that part. Eat your heart out, Mandalorian. <laughs> Baby trolled Yeah. <laughs> God. Troll goo. There we go. Um, yeah. yeah, for real. But then the other thing, and I, I think I'll also, I will, I will come back to this idea too in the next chapter. But um, Josh, especially you, which is what prompted me to look back at this, and we'll talk more about it, as I said. Um, but, but like, seeing Frodo come to the same point that Bilbo has also kind of naturally causes me to be like, okay, how long did it take Frodo to get here? How long did it take Bilbo to get here? What's the time difference? What's going on with that? Um, so, it, it's kind of funny because Looking at The Hobbit, the ver the second chapter of The Hobbit is The Trolls. The second the second chapter. The second chap I have my copy right Shit. here. That's wild. I looked at it. The second chapter is roast mutton. The first chapter is oh everything God. else. So um, it is oh kind God. of wild thinking about not necessarily the time difference, but like the narrative difference between these two parts, because obviously yeah. we're on the 12th chapter here. We're so, so much more time has been spent to get here. And it's just funny to think about um, Bilbo going through the same distance, essentially, but nothing eventful happens in between leaving the Shire and getting to this point that Frodo and the party is now at. Whereas Frodo hasn't had like a fucking day to catch his goddamn breath, you know, this whole time. And uh, and now they're just getting to the trolls. So uh, it is interesting to kind of line those storylines up a bit here. Yeah, oh man, sorry, I'm still trying to process. <laughs> yeah, no, well again, I, before, before we came on the podcast, you know, we were kind of talking about this whole like, hey, how long did it take Bilbo to get to Rivendell and compared to how long it took Frodo to get to Rivendell? It's like, great question. Um, and I didn't want to just go on the Internet and type it in and look it up. I looked at the books and I think I have an answer. So we will talk about that. And it's actually not as crazy as... I think we assumed it it was because like Josh, we were kind of saying like, oh, wasn't it like months or whatever for them to get there? Um, not as much time passes in the very beginning portion of The Hobbit as we were remembering, I believe. Okay. But, um, but again, we will circle back yeah. to that. Um, there's only a, a small handful of things I want to touch on in this chapter before we move on. Um, one... As they're going through the forest, they pass by like some, Excuse me. bless you, Thank like you. some destroyed, collapsed buildings and brickwork and stuff. And they're like, oh, did the trolls build the these? Strider says, trolls don't build anything. Uh, these were built by the men of this region who fell to the shadow of Angmar. We've seen that name Angmar come up several times. 
Uh, I just want to point that out because it's come up several times. Um, we don't know a lot about it, but it's part of the history. Um, uh, when Frodo kind of has this vision of seeing the Black Riders in his dreams, he, he kind of feels like he's in this half-awake, half-dream state while he's, like, undergoing the, the poison. And it's a lot like Fatty Bulger's experience. Um, on my copy, page 215, it has a lot to do about, like, Frodo thinks he's back at his house, and he sees the Black Riders, like, watching him over the hedge. And, um... And, yeah, I guess I felt like it was, it was like, kind of a... Almost like he, like he was seeing what what uh, Fatty was seeing. Um, and then, of course, we kind of get that idea that the Black Riders, it's not that it's a physical wound. They keep saying, like, it's healed. What happened? You know, it's like this, this completely other thing. It's like a poison, like a magical, evil thing. Um, and... I think, uh, actually, the only other thing I wanted to mention here that I have a note on, there's this part where they they say, like, oh, yeah, we haven't had a song in a bit, and they, they ask Sam to sing, I think. And then um, they're like, oh, you know, I haven't heard that one before. Where how where's, where's that from? And Frodo's like, Sam, you sly dog, you made that up, didn't you? And Sam's <laughs> like, oh, golly gee, sir, yeah, I suppose I did. Um, and Frodo has this remark. He says something like, um, you know, he, he's learning more and more about Sam. And it just kind of made me pause because we also have been talking about how Sam's been very silent these past few chapters. What's the deal here? Kind of funny to think about how, like, the characters themselves, you know, I think the movies and our, our like, cultural knowledge lead us to believe that, like, Frodo and Sam are just always best friends. But, like, Sam just works for Frodo in this weird kind of uh, relationship. Like, Sam loves Frodo. Frodo is, like, kind of indifferent on Sam, yeah. I think. And, like, as Sam's we go on... Right, literally, yes. But, like, as we go on through the story, I think the idea is maybe more that, like they're going to grow into that bond that we kind of expect or assume that they have at the start of the story, which they don't. And um, this felt like a good scene for that. Frodo's like, you know, oh, I'm, you know, I'm learning more and more about you each day, Sam, and, you know, whatever. Um, so there's a bit of that, too, I just wanted to, to call out. Yeah, yeah, this this chapter, but especially the next chapter, um, the, I mean... <sighs> His his relationship with Sam is is still kind of strange to me, but we'll we'll talk about that more next chapter for the next chapter. But um, yeah, it was good to have have Sam come out of nowhere with a with a song. You know, he's he's a man of many talents. Yeah, whatever his master wants him to do. <laughs> Sing a little song, do a little dance. Yeah. Yep. I mean, I'm not really sure how that how that even like started. Like, was Sam's dad Bilbo's servant? Yeah, yeah. I I mean, that's a good question. Like, like, how does that even start? Like, like, like when the fellowship starts, like that's just the relationship that they have. Like, yeah. nothing. Yeah, well, yeah, introduces cause, cause us. Cause he's to doing that. work around the house and stuff. 
right garden not even yes what's what's weird to me is that it's like why so like i don't know it just feels like the three of them all are are all friends and then sam is just like the servant it just i don't know just like it's just just a weird dynamic yeah it It, yeah it really is it would be especially as americans yeah i mean it would be like i don't know to me it would make more sense if they were just friends but i don't know i guess i don't know Right, it's like if if the three of us like went on a road trip, but then it was like, oh hey, I like hired this guy off a of Craigslist to just help us out with shit. Is, is that cool? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Is that all right with you guys if he just like tags along and helps us out with shit? To be fair, Sam's father used to work for Bilbo, so it's it's still like a generational like relationship thing going on here. It's just the power dynamic is what's different. Um. Like, uh, Frodo, Mary, and Pippin are all like cousins and friends, but Sam is has been there the whole time. He's just like on the on the. He's not family. He's he's subservient to to Frodo at the beginning of the of the story, at least. But it's not like they don't completely not know each other. It's like you you said with your Craigslist example that that that's kind of what I get the implication of. But it's like. He just didn't know him as well as he probably should have as another uh, citizen of his of their home, I guess. Is what yeah. I'm to get at. Yeah. No, I mean it's it's true. Um, it's weird for us as modern Americans who never really had anything like that. <laughs> Well, it's yeah. it's in, in weird our, because of that. Lives. It's weird because of that, and also because, like, just it's like like four guys like around the same age that are kind of like yeah, I, you expect them to all be friends. Exactly, yeah. So it's like but weird one that of one of them who is is just the servant. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. yeah, the gardener. Yeah. Um we'll we'll continue to see how that how that develops i i think this this might be like a a step to like them kind of finding that that more uh like natural friendship that kind of camaraderie that Again, I think like in like the the cultural idea, because obviously Lord of the Rings is so popular, even people who don't know that much about it, it's like Frodo and Sam, they're like best friends, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And so I I think the jarring aspect of it is like coming to the book and being like, oh, wait, so like Sam is like Frodo's slave boy? Like, is that (laughs) it? Um, Like that's, I think, where like the the disconnect is happening. Um, Yeah, you're probably right. But, uh, you know, let, let's just see what happens. Um, and then, uh, final, final thing. The the whole fight with um, the, the Black Riders um, and Frodo and the party on the river. Um, you know, I, I wasn't sure what you make of this, Connor, but... I, I've been thinking about um, the way that the Black Riders are talked up as like this threat, right? 
We know that they are in constant pursuit. They're very scary. They're imposing. They're threatening. You don't want to be caught by them, right? But then, uh, it feels like there's a lot of situations where they might be able to be more effective than they really are. Like, when they're at the Prancing Pony, they just kind of, like, stick their fucking swords to the window and then they leave, you know? Or, <laughs> oh, we're going to let, we're going to get rid of all yeah. the horses, and, yep. you know? And then, like, each time they have this I, encounter... Did we talk, we, it was, it was, like, implied that... The, the There's guy. no implication on on why the horses leave the stable. We don't know if it's because they actually did something or because they got scared. Or they got spooked. Or the, the the I got the half the impression that the shitty guy who gave him the horse at the end like just let him out deliberately. Or no. The, yeah, but but the, nothing his, confirms or denies any of that. That any all, any answer you have to that is speculation yes. because all we know is that the ponies are not in the stable anymore. One of them. One of the horses was also completely stolen by that guy who came up from the south. Who disappeared. Who nobody was friends with. I guess you're right. Anyways, that's actually neither here nor there. Because my, yes. my point is like, once they... And then when there's we get to the encounters with them, there's the one battle at the the weather top. You know? And it's like, oh my god, the Black Riders. We have to face them. And then like... You know, they just like wave some fire at them. It's like, yeah, Frodo gets stabbed. But then like, they just leave... And then, you know, the characters do remark, like, isn't it weird that they just left? Like, Aragorn's like, I don't know why they just left. Like, they could have totally fucking killed us or whatever, but they're just gone. And then here at the Ford, the end of this chapter. Um, they just get washed away. Right, they just get washed away. So, talking about, like, modern story brain with, um, with like, the stories that we're reading, and I think some of the tension that's there, too. I I don't know. I kind of was wondering, Connor, if, if you felt like there are Dune vibes in here in the sense that um, it's not about the battles. It's not about the confrontation, right? It's not like, oh, well, this character is stronger than this character. So, you know, like it's more about like the meeting of them and then the consequences. But like the battle itself doesn't matter and like Tolkien doesn't care either he's like yeah they got washed away in the water and it's like what the fucking black riders haven't you been saying they're like super fucking powerful and but it's like oh they, they got yeah. wet and <laughs> and I guess it just feels like narratively like I, I had been thinking like oh well I remember reading Dune thinking about like they tell you about like all these battles and confrontations but then like none of it matters like Herbert never writes about any of it practically. And you're like, well, what? But it's more about like the character moment than like the actual action sequence of it. And um, I, I guess I just wanted to pick your brain a little to see if like, you know, do you agree? Do you feel like that's there a bit? Like what's the deal with these scenes? Yeah, no, I, I do think you're, you're right. I hadn't thought of it um, in, you know, in terms of, of similar to Dune, but um I I have thought a lot about the Black Riders and how they are. Yeah, they're they're you know very much not the traditional big big baddie that we're used to. Um, they're they're like very much you know very powerful in like different ways. In in, in uh, you know they're they're more insidiously powerful like like they're they they might not kill you in a showdown but yeah it's it's um 
what what they leave behind and and the 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 scars they leave you with and the you know what whatever the encounter is there there's there's the after effects are are deadlier than than the actual conflict um yeah, hmm. yeah so i mean i i i uh I I kind of do appreciate them for that, you know. Similarly, like I did appreciate, um, you know, the way that they handled conflict in Dune. Um, it's it's a, uh, you know, I think it's not a one to one, but but it's it's a kind of a different, um, you know, refreshing take on it. I guess on 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 uh, you know. Especially for a in an evil entity as stereotypically evil as you know as the Black Riders sounds, right? It's like um, they're they're not all powerful, but they are very very powerful in different ways. So um, yeah, yeah, that's that's something I've I've definitely thought about. So my impression with the the Black Riders is that they're probably meant to represent some sort of like primitive evil like like fear of the dark kind of kind of level um and so when something like fire scares them away it's like it to me that speaks more to like the uh like like the that human aspect of like the light banishes the darkness um, yeah. or when the water washes away, it, it, to me, that's like the power of nature, uh, over, I don't know where the darkness metaphor goes at this point, but it's like, no, I, I think you're like right, Josh. It, stay, I, stay I think, with I think it. it's more, I think, I think it's right. more elemental and, uh, not necessarily like a lack of caring about the battles, but showing that warmth and light and, uh, like, healthy nature i guess even though we find out later there's some magic going on there um can overpower this darkness this fear this uh uh what's the word i'm looking for it's just this evil (laughs) like they're they're not the most evil things in the world because that's apparently their master but they're they're not unstoppable and these little good things uh, a strong river uh, a, a bit of fire in the night can overpower them so, yeah yeah <laughs> that's about as much no, as I, I can get with that I, I, I like that a lot too because um, you know I, 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 I kind of keep feeling like you know, we're told about how threatening they are, and yet, um, you know, n- not to say that that the encounters with them aren't uh, tense, or that there aren't consequences to them. Like, clearly, it's it's uh, very difficult to like be in a showdown with with these uh, with the Black Riders. But um, uh, my my prediction is that next they'll be blown away by a tornado, then crushed under a big rock. And then uh, uh, someone will try to give him a hug, and then they tr- when they run away, Captain Planet's going to punch him in the jaw. <laughs> yeah, maybe. You know what's funny about that is the Planeteers wore rings. You're right. For their, uh, <laughs> I, I was originally going to go for, their for, power. A, for an Avatar reference, and then I thought, oh, I could also give the heart thing because you know, evil and hatred and 
there's that opposite thing there going on. Personally, like personally, I hope that they get an anvil dropped on their heads. You're going to go to Looney Tunes route. Yeah. yeah. No, but I, I think you're, I think you're right, Josh. It's, it's like, um, you're right. If they, Lord of the Rings is presented by Chuck Jones. <laughs> <laughs> if they, if they represent darkness, which like they do, you know, very clearly. And, and actually I think I was mean to talk about this more last episode and then like kind of got caught up and didn't. But, like, Aragorn kind of spells this out, too. You know, we talk... They, there's this part where they mention, like, where they draw their power from. And, um... Yeah. And, like, Connor's saying, too, like, I think we can connect all these ideas because I think they're all all related. Like, Connor's saying, like, oh, yeah, like, they're, it's not that they're traditionally powerful. Like, they're, like, the strongest swordsmen or, or whatever, you know? But, like, you know, their, their power is, like, the darkness, you know? Um... And the way that that can infect or corrupt people, um, and like, and like you're saying, Josh, you know, it, it only takes a small amount of light, really, to like push back against what might feel like overwhelming darkness. Like it, it doesn't have to be yeah. something um, epic or grandiose. Like it can just be a little bit of fire on a stick. Like I, I guess that kind of is like the perfect metaphor because it's it's all about having like that just a small ray of hope is enough to defeat like the deepest darkness. You know, it's not about having an equal amount of light. Like any amount of light is enough to cut through even overpowering darkness, you know, because you can at least see something, you know, and I, I do think that's the idea (laughs) and the rivers. Uh, Yeah. I, I think that connects really well to like the whole theme of like star Wars, which has been on my mind a lot lately due to, you know, it being May the 4th and like all the Star Wars content coming up out all at once, including the 40th anniversary of Return of the Jedi, the new Jedi Survivor game, the new season of Star Wars Vision. So it's that's kind of I think a lot of that what we just said kind of feeds into that, what it means to be mm-hmm. Jedi versus Sith and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, and trying to keep on the theme of choosing your your destiny and all that sort of thing. Frodo actually like stands his ground and like tries to be brave, uh, gets bitch slapped for it. But like a little more than Bilbo, he's just like right away. It's like, I, I will not go with you. I, I will stand against you. Even if I know I can't yeah, physically do it right now. Um, also I do, even though we went through that whole thing, I do want to remind everyone that in the forward of this very book, Tolkien says to the effect uh, that anything we glean, any meaning we glean from this is purely our own. And he had no intention behind it. And uh, he just wanted to tell a story. Yeah. Yeah. No, I mean, that's also the, the kind of, you know, he, he very much, um, did not believe in death of the author right and he's like you know well this is you know he's like i'm i'm writing about my own story here's my notes on my story you can think whatever you want but i mean like i'm not going to agree with you i fucking wrote it buddy um so yeah more power to him but then you know it's it's like um we too have the the opportunity to to interpret these things um as we as we see them and as we can argue them, you know, so uh, but I do I do think it is very interesting for for Tolkien to be saying like, um, 
I, to, to go back to it, you know, I don't think it's necessarily that there is like no thematic uh, or, or, or no themes to be like drawn out or gleamed from Lord of the Rings, but more so that only the themes that he intended he believes are worthwhile and themes that people uh, find elsewhere he seems to dismiss pretty easily. You know, I, I do think that there are themes that he had in mind when writing Lord of the Rings, but um, but if you find a theme that he didn't intend, he's pretty much like, well, pff, you're just wrong then. So, anyways, um, yeah, let's uh, let's get to chapter one. What? Yeah, so we're on book two now, apparently. I thought that was The Two Towers, but shows what the fuck I know about this series. Yeah, I didn't spend a lot of time... I mean, I remember when I first opened it up, looking at the table of contents, I was aware this happened, but now I don't look at it anymore, and I forgot, so I was also surprised at <laughs> this uh, transition. Like, the, the book two doesn't really surprise me, but when I turn the page, it's like, oh, no, chapter one again. <laughs> That's pretty much my reaction. Yeah, um, I guess I don't know. So for that, that, that's just the way we'll talk about it right now. We're we're back on it's book two, chapter one. Is is the two towers going to start with book two, or is it? Uh, sorry, book one, or is it going to be like book four? Really, what I think it is is I think that each. Each book of the Lord of the Rings, meaning the Fellowship, Two Towers, and Return of the King, yep. is themselves divided in into three books. Right. Yeah. No, I I, I get that, but I'm like I'm wondering what that. What no, that no. I think it will go back literally. to one. Okay. I think there's Fellowship book one, two, and three. Two Towers book one, two, and three. Return book ones, two, and three. I think is how it's okay. uh, divvied up. All right. Yep. I could easily just check this by turning around and pulling off my bookshelf. But yeah, no, I mean, I, I, I could be wrong, too. I, I just I believe that that's the way it's done. So fair enough. We'll find out in a couple of weeks. Um, well, a little bit more than a couple of weeks, but yeah. Yeah. You know. In several weeks. Months. I mean, we started this in what? End of March? It's now early May, and we're about halfway through the book, I'd say. A little beyond halfway through the book, page count-wise. That's what we have left. Yeah. So I think it's fair to say that several weeks from now we will be done. We'll see. Um, do we need to take a break before we get into our next chapter? I can keep going. Connor? Um, Type 5? Yeah, I'll take a a real tight five. I just got to do a little a little piddle. So and Josh needs a nap break, I think. If I take a nap, we're not starting up again tonight. Oh, no, five, just, five just shut your eyes. Yeah, yeah, call it a cat nap. Yeah. Take, right. take take a cat nap. I I had like so much caffeine today. I, I it's like a V eight like uh, energy drink thing, and uh, like the biggest mug I have of black tea in the morning. So I'm. What a, little, a badass. Uh, hopped up right now. Oh, my God. All right, oh, are you still recording? I thought we were on the break. 
All right, so jumping back into it, we are going to discuss book two, chapter one, many meetings. So um, for this chapter, Frodo wakes up and he's like, where am I? What day is it? What's going on? And you know who responds is mother effing Gandalf. What? Where the hell's he been? Yeah. So uh, Frodo finds himself in Rivendell. Gandalf is there. They have a long discussion, um, kind of catching Frodo back up to speed. Gandalf divulges what what he can up to this point. Um, says that there's going to be more to talk about later, which presumably is the next chapter. Um, but but we do have a lot of things to talk about, um, I think, within their discussion. Um, but then Frodo gets to rest a little bit more, and then that leads us into like this feast celebration thing in Frodo and the other hobbits, like in their honor. Um, and we meet someone. At, we meet a couple people at that that feast. We do, which we'll also talk more specifically about. But um, yeah, suffice to say, there there's some. As the title uh, name suggests, there are many meetings here. There yes. are. Um, of new and the, old faces alike. Yes, yes. Um, so, you know, a lot of payoff for Hobbit readers here at this point. Um, of course, the the big one as they move the feast into like this uh, celebration hall, um, like a hearth, um, is uh, Bilbo. Bilbo is there, so um, we get this whole thing with Frodo and Bilbo and even Aragorn. Um, Who has and another name? has another name the the many meetings and many names this man has <laughs> and uh you know eventually though um you know bilbo kind of asks about the ring they have this whole moment we'll talk about that and then um uh frodo and bilbo kind of slip away to have like a quiet moment where they they get to just kind of spend some some quiet personal time together catching up um I like that we got to have a moment of them, you know, having having that like more, I guess, like that intimate time, like to really showcase like their bond and their love for each other, which I thought was really sweet. Yeah. Um, and then and then Sam comes in and he's like, you know, oh, Master Frodo really ought to be getting to bed, you know. <laughs> um, and then the the chapter kind of wraps up where it's like, okay, we're getting into like there's going to be this council the following day. Frodo needs to get his rest because um, we're going to be getting into this whole council thing. What's going on? So the long and short of it is is a uh, you know. Frodo and and company finally have a chance to really truly relax. They are completely safe in Rivendell. They really get to recuperate and rest up and regain their strength. Um, and Frodo in particular, you know, we follow him around as he as he uh, meets these several different people, and we get a lot of information through their conversations as that leads us into the end of the day and then going into the next chapter, which we have not read yet. Um, Correct. 
Connor, do you want to give us your your general thoughts here, and then maybe Josh can go into some of his notes after? Yeah, um, I I thought that this was the, in my opinion, the more intriguing chapter of the two, the most fun to read. Uh, you know, right Agreed. away we get Gandalf there by Frodo's bedside, so that was a huge, exciting moment. I I even thought maybe maybe Gandalf was that that white figure in the distance at the end of the last chapter. I was like, whoa, could that be Gandalf? Mm-hmm. It wasn't, but um, but yeah. So I mean, getting him back well, you was too far off. Yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, it was great to see him. He is um, you know, seems to be holding a lot back, but you know, he's letting Frodo rest up and waiting for the right time with everyone and uh they're you know very intentionally i think focusing on uh you know using the beginning of their time there uh, um to celebrate and you know enjoy each other's company because they know that they have to get into some pretty dark gruesome business very soon um i'm happy that that you know frodo is feeling better sounds like a pretty gnarly thing to go through you know i'm glad they could extract the uh what was causing him to you know potentially would have would have caused him to become a black rider you know yeah eventually a lessened version (laughs) of himself as a black rider just um, imagining all the black riders, and there's just like the short one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so yeah, and then uh, obviously, the, I mean, it's it's a weird, it's kind of a weird one because we get the big dinner scene, and and he's chatting with um, one of the the dwarves, right? Uh, what what is it? Gloin. Glo- glowin. Glowin. Yeah, I would also say glowin, but <laughs> sure. Glowing, um, glowing works too. Um, and 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 that's nice because we get that's another Hobbit, you know, throwback and and him and Frodo reminisce and talk about things and but then they're they're also kind of keeping a very surface level because he's like, oh, you don't know why I'm here? Okay, yeah, we shouldn't talk about it. We shouldn't. So there's a lot of hush hush. Um, and then they talk about Bilbo a little bit and like, yeah, oh yeah, you love Bilbo, right? Yeah, yeah, I do. And then they walk out and they're like, well, here he is. Here's Bilbo. He's like, he's like, you know, leaning or sitting on, on the back of a wall and and just kind of like, you know, looks like be like nodding off or whatever. I'm like, what the fuck happened to him? And then, and then, you know, he, he seems to be all right. They're chatting and it's, it's fine and stuff. And then get into you know he asks about the ring they get onto the subject of the ring a little bit and then things kind of get a little weird bilbo's like yeah. bilbo's like can you just just uh just you know show me just uh, you know i just want to see it i just want to see it again for a little bit and frodo's like i don't know if i should i just kind of feel like maybe i shouldn't but then he does he shows him and then and then bilbo turns into Gollum for a second yeah. for a second yeah yeah uh, he becomes a Gollum. And yeah. uh, but luckily he's he's like oh no 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 sorry about that I didn't mean I didn't I'm, mean any of I'm that. just joking yeah exactly. I'm just joking exactly. did he actually turn into that or is that just like Frodo like seeing like things 
Yeah, I think it's just the, the figurative him. language of it, right? It's like he, yeah. he doesn't truly transfer, but like, but Bilbo loses himself in that moment. Like he he might as well be Gollum. Yeah, right. Yeah, yes. I mean, it it was certainly a uh, good way to kind of make that moment very very harsh and and you know give you the intended effect of like, man, this 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 ring did have a hold of him and still does. Um, but also kind of encouraging that he could, like, he was able to pull himself back and be like, no, I was just, I'm just joking, you know? Yeah. Um, so, so yeah, that, that's, that's concerning, but all in all, you know, it, it, it was good to have Bilbo back. Um, it just, yeah, it's, it's just kind of annoying. It's like, well, there's all these bad things happening. There's a lot of things we have to talk about, but we're not going to talk about any of them now. We're not going to tell you. No, we're not going to tell you now. Yeah. Don't, don't even think about asking. It's we're no, that's save that for later. And it's like, of course, that's all the things that, that me as a reader, like that's all the shit that I want to know. Like, you know, where, where had Gandalf been? He was, he was captured or held captive, he says. We don't know how um, literal he's being there. We'll find out, I guess. Um, you know, he admits that there are forces greater than him. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I'm, I, 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 this was a fun, a fun uh, reunion with a lot of cool people. Um, but, but, yeah, it makes me want to get into the meat of it all. Right. It's like you, you kind of get just the... It's almost like the feast itself, where it's like you get the first part of it, right? And then you go into the other room, but like we're not there yet, you know? Yeah. It's like yep. you yep. just met everyone, and but yeah, but, but all the all the interesting stuff is kind of withheld from you for right now. Exactly. Yeah. Um, but I, I did. I, I agree that it does feel a little bit like you know people keep going like, oh well you know, I want to talk about this, but we should really wait. And it does, it, it is a little like eye rolly, but I also kind of like the idea that um, like even here in Rivendell, like the things that they have to discuss, like the matters are, are so life and death, you know, that um, they still feel like this, this really strong need to be um, secretive and skeptical. It's like, if you don't just- know, serious and not like ruin the dinner over it well yeah i, I think but, it's that but some of it and also manners like like oh it's it's like it would be rude to to do it not in the proper context which is like the council like it's not yeah. appropriate for yeah. a for, for a cel- you know a celebration like tonight like yeah it seems to be kind exactly. of their um that's like how their polite society works i guess I, I do think that's it, and some of it too. It's like if you don't already know, like Glowen's whole thing is like if you don't know why I'm here, then I shouldn't be the one to tell you. You know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Kind of implies a lot of other people do know why he's there. You know? Yep, yep. And if you don't know, then it's it's because someone hasn't told you, and and he's like I shouldn't be the one to break the news. Is yeah. kind of the yeah. That's the feeling I got. Yep, I think um, you're right. Also, I did look it up. It is. I, I found one site that said it, the contestant is pronounced Glowin, but I didn't realize his, his father's name was uh, pronounced Groin, but spelled Groin. So he, wow! So by my pronunciation, he would have been Gloin, son of Groin. <laughs> Man, I mean, it does feel like Tolkien should have known better than to name a character 
Groin and spell it groin, though, right? Yeah, but I, there's some. They didn't uh, have that word. Linguistic back then. thing that I did. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> there was some linguistic connection there that I didn't remember. That, that's right. Just like how Tolkien invented mithril, he also invented groin. Yes. Yeah. And anytime you see the word groin, that's a Tolkienism. Exactly. Um. Okay. There, I mean, certainly there's a couple things that Connor was touching on there that I know we're going to want to talk more about. Um, Josh, is there somewhere you would like to start in, in this whole big uh, discussion here? Uh, let's see. Uh, my, my notes are a little... Oh, that's because I'm at the beginning of the chapter. Uh, <laughs> I think there is a spot. Um... We have some confirmation on the status of smothered dwarves. I know exactly <laughs> where you're going oh, with yeah, this. Oh yeah, yeah. This was Father uh, lives yeah. and is fat. <laughs> he is fatter than ever. Somehow <laughs> dodging, somehow dodging the heart attack that I predicted he'd have in those last what sixty. He can't even years. move. Yeah. He is literally a spherical dwarf who can't move without a. <laughs> And the first thought that came to my mind after Bomber is li- Bomber lives and is fat, which I wrote in all caps, um, a handwriting, which is a pain in the ass, uh, is a quote from The Simpsons. I wash myself with a rag on a stick, <laughs> which <laughs> is when Bart was imagining himself being that level of obese. Yeah. But yeah, I honestly thought he, with all the talk of how fat he was, he you know, get a heart attack sometime in the last half century and not be around. But no, he and uh, uh, of the ten companions who had survived the Battle of the Five Armies, seven were still with him, him being Glowin. Um, And three of them, Balin, Ori, and Oin, or Owen, I I suppose, uh, they are their fates are currently unknown, and it's a thing that they're pres- presumably going to be speaking about later. That's yeah. part of the the, the reason Glowin's there issue. Yeah, but I, I do have to say, um, when I got to the point about like Bomber not just being like fat, but like so fat that he can't move without the assistance of like six other dwarves or something. Yep. Um, I laughed yeah. out loud. I'm, I'm, I'm sitting there in my living room reading by myself, just like cackling. Like, are yep, you I kidding too. me yep. that this was included? Like, are you fucking kidding me, Tolkien, that you yes. just had to write this shit? He, I was, I, I was reading it as like, oh, this is one of the dwarves from the, uh, from the original, uh, uh, uh I don't want to say fellowship, but, uh, like, like the, the first group. And uh, I was like, oh, I wonder what uh, the other dwarves are up to. And I realized he's getting to with oh, the other companions. Like, oh, here we go. And I'm just reading the names and just taking them off my head. I like Dwellin and Glowin, Dory, Nori, Bifer, Bofer, and Bomber. <laughs> and it's like, oh, it doesn't mention that he's fat, though. And then I kept reading. Bomber was now so fat. There we go. Yep, yeah. Uh, he's the only one that we even get like more information on. You know, <laughs> yeah. all the other ones, it's just like, yeah, you know, whatever. They're their names. Yeah. They're fine. And then yeah. it's like, but Bomber, rest assured, has only grown in rotundity. <laughs> <laughs> oh man! And uh, 
I'll be honest, I did not remember Glowin's part in the previous story at all. It, as I don't fact, My note was, oh, it's the Glowin. What did he do again? Um, but it's still pretty neat to I find just recognize the name. I was like, oh, he's one of the dwarves. I mean, yeah, once they named it, it was like, oh, yeah, this is yeah. definitely one of the dwarves from a hobbit but it's like it's 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 nice to see this connection but it's like oh this is like one of the guys who was literally just a name in the background the whole time yeah it, it was i guess not surprising because there's only really two dwarves that got any characterization and one of them is dead so um the yeah. other one i feel like is Balin or Balin, like, right uh yeah Balin and uh phil and killy kind of got this like they're the scouts of the group and they they're the the youngest, the most nimble, and yeah, yeah. Balin was like the oldest and the wisest, and Thorin was Thorin, and Bomber was fat. That's right. like so all it, the characterization we got out of them. It was kind of funny that Glowin is the the dwarf that we get here, but um, I, I mean, I, I recognize when he said that uh, the dwarf had a had like a forked beard. It's like, oh, this is gonna be one of the dwarves from from the yeah. Hobbit. Yeah, um, and I, I thought that was cool just to have like this moment. You know where where Frodo is unexpectedly sat next to you know one of the people in um, his, his like adopted dad's adventuring party. Yeah, it was like like one of the storybook characters that he grew up listening about listening to. Yeah, it's like if uh, if like one of us was sat down next to fucking like Lando Calrissian. Yeah, a little bit. Yep. <laughs> So, uh, that, yeah, that was my, I, un- my I uncle's like friend. It. Although that's not quite so fair. Lando, Calrissian. Lando had more of an impact on the story. <laughs> that was your uncle's friend, Connor? Yeah. Yeah. Him and Lando. Lando. They had, they had some yeah. good times together for real. They go way back, right? Yeah. I can't talk about them on the podcast, but they did have, yeah. Like yeah. off the yeah. podcast, I could tell you guys more about. Oh yeah. I'm yeah. looking forward adventures. to Um, uh, so yeah, those are in the middle of the chapter. Um, so at the beginning, when uh, Gandalf is speaking, when Frodo first wakes up and Gandalf is kind of filling him in, um, Frodo says, "You seem to know a great deal already. I've not spoken to the others about. I have not spoken to the others about the Barrow. Uh, at first, it was too horrible, and afterwards, there were other things to think about. How did you know about it?" And Gandalf's response is effectively, uh, "You talking to sleep? Also, I read your mind." <laughs> yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Isn't nice. it so funny that he tries to soften the blow with like, "Oh, well, you talk in your sleep," but really the answer is like he just invaded your fucking brain. Like, exactly. Classic exactly, Gandalf. Yeah. Like, there's no way it's both. Like, it has to be the mind reading, yeah. right? Like, why he probably, like, would he mumbled, be? He probably like mumbled one thing in his sleep and then. <laughs> Like, okay, Gandalf just takes that as express permission to be yes. like, "Oh, well, doors are open! Yeah, like I'm coming right. in, buddy." Yeah. <laughs> yeah, but it's like, uh, but my full note here is, uh, "You talking your sleep?" Dot dot dot. Also, I read your mind, lol. Gandalf, the zero barriers. <laughs> yeah, yeah, seriously. Uh, um, but again, I mean, he's not even like he's like beyond, you know, mortal. Like he just doesn't give a shit. You yeah, know, it's that's like what would you? It's like. Yep. Whatever your your brain, you know, whatever whatever fucking uh, perception you have of privacy is like trivial, you know, yeah. just just completely nonsensical yeah. to me. I'm, I'm imagining, I know you guys haven't seen it, but I'm imagining Dragon Ball Z Bridge when Goku like comes back after the uh, the Namek arc, and he's just like bored now, reading your mind, and he's just gonna, like rests his hand on uh, Krillin's head and just like 
oh, I know everything now. Yeah. <laughs> and he never does that again. It's just like, it's just this quick little joke to make the story move along. But I'm imagining Gandalf just being, just sitting there watching Frodo's like, bored now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Reads them. Yeah. I mean, it probably was a lot like that. Um, so yeah, my next note is, where is it? Ah. Uh, so Frodo is asking Gandalf if he knew about the Black Riders previously. And Gandalf's response is, yes, I knew of them. Indeed, I spoke of them once to you. For the Black Riders are the Ringwraiths, the nine servants of the Lord of the Rings. My note here is roll credits. Yes. <laughs> he said the thing. They said yeah, the thing. Yeah, the classic. That comes up at least twice in this chapter. I think so. Yeah, I think. Uh, I think. Because when Frodo when Frodo comes out, Pippin is like, "Oh, you know, here it's comes Lord Frodo, of Lord yeah. of the Ring." And then Gandalf is like, "Hey, don't fucking say that." Yep. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's like uh, it's like Voldemort with uh, uh, he who should not be named. Yeah. 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 Uh, but it's like no, we don't even say the he he who should not be named part. So, uh, another interesting that another example of JK stealing from JR. <laughs> yep. Mm, totally. Josh, since you brought up the ring rates, I just have to say, I mean, every time. Oh, yeah, we've been calling the Black Riders this whole time, but I've, yeah, they're the ring rates. Yes. Every time we've been saying Black Riders, there has been like this force inside of me, like trying to burst through where it's like they're. N- they're not the fucking Black Riders. They're fucking Ringwraiths. I really want to say Ringwraiths, um, <laughs> but the book won't let me yet. Um, Black, Black Riders it always sounded to me like like some sort of like biker gang or uh, like a like a squadron from one of the the airplane games I play or something like that, um, or, or like a like an outlaw group in a, in a Wild West story. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, having that knowledge in the back of my head that they're the ring wraiths, but the book's only been using black riders. So I've just been using black riders. This whole exactly. Time. Exactly. And in fact, um, I mean, if you know, Josh, don't say it, but I, I have to say there's in fact a third name for them that I also, that I even more so like springs to my mind that I really want to fucking say because they say it all the time in the movie, but nobody has said it in the book yet either. Um, really? I'm not aware of this one. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I'm looking at this met thing again. It's like the, the Morgul Lord and his Black Riders. Uh, War is preparing. You knew the Riders already. Yes, I knew of them. I spoke to them before. The Black Riders are the Ringwraiths, the Nine Servants of the Lord of the Rings. Okay. Yeah, so there's no other... I, I mean, for them. There, there's even, even like more that I'm just like, oh my god, oh. I could... But, um, Maybe I know what the name is, but I don't know. Yeah. I, maybe I, I you do. Maybe you do. Maybe. It's it's not a, it's not even like it's a spoiler where it's like oh like if I said the name, Connor's not going to be like what? Like it just doesn't matter. Like it's just a name. Yeah, it, like, doesn't. it doesn't it doesn't mean anything. But the fact is, we're not there. So I just don't feel like I want to say it. Okay. I am curious, Connor. Um, does the fact that there are nine black riders and then gandalf mentions um just like josh says like oh yes those are the nine you know ring wraiths that i spoke of before are are, does it ring a bell yeah no 
No, not at all. Okay. Nothing. And 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 honestly, I don't think it would ring any bells for me either the way that it's written. So I'm not trying to say that you're missing yeah. anything. There are like pieces that we could put together, but but the fact is, I think I only know the answers because I've seen the movies, which is why yeah. I'm kind of hesitant to to just be like, this is what this means, because like, I don't even think the story is expecting you to to know. It's just giving you these pieces that y you you may or may also, not put don't, together. Don't, I don't think we find out that there are explicitly nine black writers until like the last chapter when. Uh, Aragorn says there are nine of them and four have been chasing you and there's another five out there somewhere. Or like five chasing you and there's four out there. Yeah, like, I we, didn't get the, we didn't even get the right number until like a, only a chapter ago or two. Yeah, th that could be true. I really don't remember. Um, it is kind of interesting. That's a good point though, Josh. I remember at one point in the previous chapter, I think they're just, they're referenced as the nine as well. Yeah. Um, which is kind of interesting. Uh, so I got a couple more notes. Uh, at the very end of the chapter, because uh, I want to go, I want to end on a different note. Um, I have uh, it's billable off the top rope with a four-page, four-page length song. <laughs> yeah, this was this was next level. Yeah, yeah, that was uh, that was a difficult one to get through. <laughs> I would have made those four pages go by faster since there's less words. Yeah, but I, I do have to admit my eyes kind of glossed. Up. I mean, like, I read every word, but, like, I kept thinking to myself, like, I got no clue what's happening. Yeah. Like, and, un and unlike Aragorn's song, there's no, like, full-page paragraph explaining what the hell it meant. Yeah. They're just they're just arguing about which parts were his and which parts were Aragorn's. But it was all Bilbo! Uh -huh. Uh -huh. Except for one thing. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. Uh, yeah, and my last note here. So earlier I said that um, I thought it was really cool that like the the area of the trolls are is called Trollfell, and the river that's like the really rapid river is called uh, um, Loudwater. Mm -hmm. This is the exact opposite of this, and it's these family names that have popped up since the Battle of the Five Armies. Uh, I want to preface this with. At the time, I, I had Bard and Bjorn mixed up in my head when I was reading. Because um, it's been a few months since we were at this point. And I thought Bjorn was the one who shot the dragon. Mm, I see. Uh, so my note says, uh, Crazy Man Shoots Dragon, family now cursed with the name Bjornings. Yeah. <laughs> and that's not what happened. But like Crazy Man charges into a, into a battlefield. As a, as a bear and family now cursed with the name Bjornings. Um, and uh, doo -doo -doo. Uh, and now the, the, the rulers of Dale are called the Bardings. It's just that these are, these are not good family names. <laughs> this is, I, I don't know why these names really irked me, but it's, Bjorning was the one that just like, oh my god, <laughs> are they actually called Bjornings? This is, <laughs> it was it was really bad. Yeah, I'm sorry. And it's just a weird spelling. It and it, he just drops it on you. It's like indeed says Glowen. If if it were not for the Bjornings, the passage of Dale to Rivendell would long ago have become impossible. It's, it's just like I, I I get what you mean because um. 
oftentimes I think that there's a lot of things like I get hung up on things like that. And I, I completely understand where you're coming from. I just have to say that Sounds in this good. instance, like I didn't get tripped up by that because I, I think I, I like up. It's just more yeah. like, it's just more of like, it sounded weird. And it, it reminds me of a meme I saw a while ago where you realize like how, like someone was saying like on their contacts, it was like John landlord or, uh, 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 like Peter Uber or something like that in their in their phone where their contacts. And it's like, oh, this is how English surnames came to be, where you have like Cobbler or uh, Smith or yeah. um, uh, uh, Booker or something like that. It's just like, oh yeah, it's just like that's what they were. They were, and I, I'm used to. I mean, my own name O'Connor. It's like, oh, of Clan Connor. It's like it's. Yeah. Yes, I'm named after someone, but it's not. I'm not. Josh Connering. <laughs> that would be frankly absurd. <laughs> well, I think the idea actually is it it wouldn't be because you're actually admitting that your name is essentially the same. O'Connor and Connering are I, I essentially I'm, I mean, the I'm same. I'm complaining about the structure of of it. Yes, the meaning is the same like we are of the this lineage, but it's it's the structure of it that I'm complaining about. Like I don't like the ing as it, it, it sounds too much like earthling or like underling or that kind of entomology. Yeah, no, I mean, and I, I think so, that's fair. It's just, um, it yeah, sounds kind of lazy. <laughs> well, I was wondering, I was like, should I go back to the Hobbit? Cause it's like, what was Bjorn, like did Bjorn have a last name in the first place, you I know, that they so. could have just carried over. Um, no, but I, I guess not. Yeah, and what's the current king's uh, Bjorn of old? They were not found of the dwarves. But, but, but what was the name? The the king under the mountain, Dale. No, no, it was uh. Or it's not Dale, is it? But it's uh something like that. No, I thought they gave a name for the current um, Bjorning, but I don't I don't see it in this paragraph. We did get, we do get the names for. Bard's offspring. It's uh, Brand, son of Bane, son of Bard. So, yeah, that's all funny. Just like how it was, uh, you know, Thorin, son of Thror, son of Thrain. You know, it's all, yeah. it's all just like minor changes or corruptions in the name over time. You know that. Yep. To 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 alter it just slightly. Um. Yeah. I um. I, I, I did like these callbacks, though, like I, for, I for what too. they were. I, I like having this follow up of like, yeah, it's been 80 years. What's going on near the Lonely Mountain? And it's yeah, it's like, yeah, the, the dwarves are doing well. They don't have the same level of craftsmanship with metal that their forefathers used to have because uh, that knowledge was lost after the dragon came. But they're still excellent smiths. So they're helping rebuild Dale. Dale is still under Bard's family rule. Uh, Bjorn is and his off or his descendants are protecting the mountain passes so that everything's still traversable. It's like all oh, that's great, like world building and like progress for a generation to go by. Yeah, or two, depending on which race you're you're indexing off of, because it's uh, uh, still Dane. Right, Dane. Is, that's the is name under the I was mountain. Of. Like the, the yeah. same guy who showed up at the end of the of the Hobbit is like, I'm king under the mountain now. Okay, he's still there. 
Yeah, he's right. He's like 250 or something now. He's really old. Yeah, uh, yeah he's still king. Um, Good for him. Yeah, or that's... He may never come up again. We'll no, see. no, probably not. Um, but we said but, that about Fatty cool. and, and Bilbo and fucking Tom Bombadil, and they've all shown up again. Yeah, I mean, that's true, too. So who... We're never going to see those fucking knows? eagles. Who knows? Yeah. So any, anything, those are all my notes. Uh, anything else you want to talk about in chapter 13 slash one? Yeah. Um, it's like a Final Fantasy game. <laughs> 13 two. This is the first um, fantasy though. Uh, yeah, I definitely have some things I want to touch on here. Some will kind of be offshoots or continuations of some things you mentioned. Um, uh, so one Gandalf mentions, like talks more about Strider says that Strider is of the race of Kings from over the sea. Mm -hmm. And so we kind of get more of this history where not only is Strider descended from like this old, lineage of like men who who came who came from this other place you know who settled here they kind of have this legendary history but all rangers are gandalf mentions that the rangers themselves are all descendants of the kings from another land or whatever um now josh i think you and i have a little more context as to what what this means but i think in terms of what the text is telling us is like um so so all the all the rangers have some kind of relation to like some ancient king and it's like what does that mean like who who cares but but also they are particularly like strong like they they all they all must have like some sort of like skill set that's like kind of inherent to their lineage yeah because they're all rangers that's just what they do now so part of the impression i got was that when gandalf was explaining this was that when he said the race of the kings or something like that it's like i think he meant like the people of that kingdom um yeah i guess not not necessarily that they were all like descendants, direct descendants of a king, but of that kings, they, right? But that like this was a kingdom that had many kings, and its people were destroyed in a war long ago. But there are some survivors who are now uh, of this kingdom, not necessarily of this king's lineage. Hmm. Um, but it could be read both both ways. I think. Yeah. No, I, I know what you mean. The, uh, that was just the rest. The uh, understanding that i took from it yeah no i mean i i think that makes more sense and um i kind of just like the idea where it's like because at first i was like isn't it weird that they're all rangers like isn't that kind of goofy but like i thought a little more about it and it's like well um so they are descendants of like this people that was essentially completely wiped out like they don't they don't really have a, a land to call their own so they're they're just like completely um uh, like they have, they have no like allegiance or whatever. You know, they're they're just completely displaced or or whatever you want to call it. Like th- there's no homeland for them anymore. It's just gone. So like wh- yep. whoever's left 
um, you know, why would they settle or congregate anywhere when like their their homeland doesn't even exist? So I thought it was kind of cool that that one we get like sort of an explanation, and then like two. We were kind of laughing a bit before where it's like, oh, yeah, isn't it funny? All the rangers have, like, their own little glyph language, har, har, har. But it's <laughs> like, oh, well, they all know each other. You know, they're they're yeah. not just, like, some random dudes meeting on the road. Like, every like ranger you, knows that the other ranger is, like, a part of their clan or whatever, you know? Yeah, no, it's like they they have a shared culture. Yes. Of course, they have, like, a some shorthand or code that they can turn to for secret communications yes um so there's that um oh let's get to the the thing about traveling here so on my yeah. copy it's page 233 frodo says frodo says um where is it So, he says, It is very pleasant just to rest. I have had a month of exile and adventure, and I find that has been as much as I want. So, in that one sentence, uh, Frodo says, Hey, it's been a month since I left the Shire. Yes. And now I'm here in Rivendell. And he lost a couple of those days just to being knocked the fuck out. I think it took him like three days to, to recover. Yeah, but um, but more or less, it's a month. He says a month. It's a month. Yeah, no, no. I'm just commenting that we we didn't really mention that he was out for three days between the chapters. Um, yeah, yeah, yeah. A month. Um, they left on like the 22nd of September, and it's now October 24th. Uh, yes. Yeah, yeah. You're right. Okay. Good. Um, and then going back to the Hobbit, here is what I found. So in my copy of the Hobbit. Um, Thank you for um, going through this, by the way. I didn't. I I did it quick. So on my copy of The Hobbit, page 29. And again, this is the second chapter, <laughs> Roast Mutton with the Trolls. Yep. It says, That's how they all came to start, jogging off from the inn one fine morning just before May. So... It's the end of like, April. Right. So the, the, the departure date here for them, for Bilbo... And the party leaving is just before May. And then um, when we get to what's only the next chapter, the third chapter is a short rest where they're in the house of Elrond. Um, what they say is, they don't say specifically, they say it's midsummer. Um, like, we would apply like July to us, right? Right, with the end of summer being like the end of September. Yeah, so like late July, early August, for midsummer. Yeah, so so I think. I'm sorry. Did you say that was before or after they they arrived, or is that the date they arrived or the date they left? Rivendell. It is. It, it to be fair, it is actually the date they left, and it says okay. that they were at Elrond's um, home for at least two weeks. Right, but that would still put them at, like, June. Yeah. For their arrival, which is two months from Bree. Well, it says just before May. Like, it could be, like, the last day of April, is all I'm saying. Yeah, but that's still May and June. 
Oh, I see what you mean. So it's a, yeah. at, I think at best we're we're talking about a month and a half to get from that inn to I, I said Bree a moment ago, but I don't think that's ever confirmed. Um but yeah, from their departure to their arrival at Rivendell is a month and a half, roughly. I think it's true. I think it does take Bilbo longer to get from the Shire to Rivendell than it does Frodo. But not yeah. by the crazy amount that we were kind of speculating before. You're right. We're yeah. actually talking about a matter of like weeks to like maybe a month at most, but like which, I don't even think that much. Which does make sense for this mode of travel they're doing, which is walking and taking paths that may or may not be in the great best condition. Um, they were also forced to keep moving, unlike the, the original uh, group of dwarves and hobbit and wizard that probably would have been able to rest at their leisure. Mm-hmm. Uh, they also didn't get help from Tom Bombadil. Um, so yeah, there's a lot of a lot of different aspects that could affect the journey on the, the order of a couple of weeks. Uh, they also weren't taking shortcuts and were presumably staying to paths that may or may not even exist in uh, the Fellowship era. Yeah. So, but it's it's still a pretty close approximation. I mean, a month and a half is the low end of this estimate. I think. I think it's very possible it could get up to two and a half months. Yeah. Uh, with with the time frame that's given there, but it's uh, not. It's not a terrible difference. No. No. But it, it is it is kind of funny. Like, at first, I was thinking, like, isn't it weird that Frodo, who's facing all of this extra bullshit, gets there faster? But uh, I kind of like your explanation, thinking it's, like, because of that, like, they, they really have no choice but to get there yeah, faster. Yeah, they, they can't... They get, like, one night of rest at, a, at an inn. Everything else is just, like... Camp and move, camp and move. Yeah, um, so that's true. I, I like that. So, so that's that's what I found there. Um, let's see here. There's just a couple more things I, I want to talk about. The ring. I want to talk about the ring wraiths, and I want to talk about Elbereth. And, and all of these ideas are, are really, like, floating around the same thing. Okay. Um, let's, let's start with um, – let's start with – so when, when Bilbo – or, sorry, when Frodo wears the ring – he can see the ring wraiths differently than how they appear in the physical realm. And, yes. and Gandalf mentions something about this, like, um, and in fact, I, he, he says something that they're in like something called the wraith world and that like the cloaks that they wear, the black, the black cloaks are really just to like give them a physical form in the first place. It's yeah. almost as if if they yeah. took it off, they're there's invisible. like nothing underneath there. Yep. Yep. So, exactly. so, so really like the black riders don't even truly exist in like the, the physical realm. They, they occupy the wraith world. And so when Frodo wears the ring, 
what he's really seeing is what they look like. And Gandalf has this line where Frodo's like half in the Wraith world, which is also kind of, I think, how he can get like stabbed in the way that he was. You know, like, because they stab him with, like, an invisible blade anyways. Like, I feel like maybe they had to wait for him to wear the ring. I think it's maybe why they're they're tempting him to wear it so much. Like, I I wonder if they can't even harm him unless he's wearing the ring. Because they live in the fucking Wraith world, right? Maybe that's why they were afraid of the the fire. Because if their their cloaks burn, they wouldn't have any influence in the real world anymore. Yeah, right. They just have, like, nothing. Like... Um, and what's a cloak and then, against the river? Yes, and I guess I guess maybe that sort of does even tie back to like oh like they're incredibly powerful, right? But like, like is is their ability or their influence like muted because they're they're, they're almost like projecting themselves into the real world, right? Literally like literally the Halloween ghost that's just the sheet with the eye holes cut into. <laughs> <laughs> They, yeah, no, I mean, they, I, I think they kind of are, which is a great analogy again for like um, confronting the darkness, right? It's like, it yeah. seems horrifying, but like the, you know, darkness is only ever just a sheet over something, you know, like that, that's all it really is. It wants you to believe it's so much more than that, but um, yeah. it isn't, you know? Um, and then, of course, that's where it, it draws its power and so on and so forth. But, um, so, so, so Frodo wearing the ring kind of like allows him to enter that world of darkness. And it's like, that's not too surprising because like the ring is incredibly evil. What I thought was really interesting is we get, and I'm going to go back or I'm going to go on to another point here and connect it. Um, we kind of get the flip side of that where there's the Wraith world and then there's the blessed realm, which Connor was saying, oh, I thought that white figure was Gandalf, or I thought maybe for a second it was Gandalf. We all know it wasn't. It was Glorfindel. And Gandalf describes that Glorfindel is like this elvish prince from like this line of elvish princes. It's like a high elf. Like, Yes. Yeah. Yeah, like he's right. He's like a fucking sick elf. Fucking sick ass dope elf over here. And um... And he he also, like, kind of occupies the same role where, like, he has, like, his elf body, like, in the real world. Like, you can go up and talk to Glorfindel and shake his hand. He's there. But, yep. like, he's also sort of in the blessed realm, like, at all times. Like, that's the feeling I got. Like, it's like elves, they kind of occupy, like, these two states of, like, existence. And it's also kind of what separates them from, like, mortal man. Um... I kind of wish I marked down the page number now here, but but at any rate, like, do you guys remember what I'm talking about? Like, yeah, there's there's this thing called the Blessed Realm, and it seems to be like the answer to the Wraith World. Like, there's like the real world that all our characters occupy in 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 the physical realm, and then like there's like these two battling light dark realms that are like you know. <laughs> Like that are hell. always there, right? But you you can't you can't touch them, right? Like you need to do something special in order to see them or recognize them. Yeah, and um and they are like truly like at odds with one another. Um, 
And I got the impression that they were kind of like two sides of the same coin. Like they, they interact with each other and might as well be the same thing, even though they're like flavored differently. It can't like at, Frodo is in like half in the ra- the wraith realm and can see this luminous being of the luminous side of uh, Glorfindale. True. That name still gets me. Um, <laughs> so I, th- I think they are like, I watch so much sci-fi and it, it uh, this is a trope in fantasy uh, where it's just like the, like subspace or alternate dimension, like the, the layer dement like layer realm that's like layered above us but isn't quite connected um that's kind of the feeling i'm getting from this whole these two realms effectively like D has uh all their different planes of existence um it actually reminds me a bit of the force where you mm-hmm. have the light side and the dark side there it's all the force but like even the Jedi, the Jedi, Yoda's talking about it's like uh, would would probably be considered similar to the elves, where you uh, Yoda was saying something along the lines of, uh, "We are not th- these luminous beings, are we? Not this yeah, true matter?" Exactly. Yes, and I mean that's that's exactly what I'm thinking of when Glorfindel shows up as a literal luminous being when Frodo is wearing the ring, and then meanwhile, yeah, Wraith would be point. like would be similar to the Sith, where they're just shadows of their former selves barely able to affect the real world and in star wars expanded universe stuff you see a lot of like there's maybe one or two sith who are able to influence the re- like the living world after death but there are so many jedi force ghosts out there it's uh it like there's there's that dichotomy there of one side is clearly more connected to things than yeah. the other, but they are still the same through the force. So that's kind of the impression I'm getting from this uh, Wraith realm and Blessed realm. Realm Wars. <laughs> Classic. No, I, Josh, I love that point about um, Frodo being able to see Glorfindel as like that, that shining figure as he's wearing the ring. I didn't even really think about that. It's like, Oh yeah. Like, can anyone else see that? Like maybe he does only see that because he's wearing the ring and those realms are just as interconnected as you're suggesting, which is a really cool idea. Um, last thing on that point, And then I just want to like talk a little bit about the ring and Bilbo and I'll be good to wrap up there. Um, but, Earlier, we we brought up Elbereth um, on page 248 of my copy. The name Elbereth is brought up in Bilbo's song. So is Silmaril, just to throw it out there, because we mentioned it last time, too. Um, But it says, The Silmaril is lantern light and banner bright with living flame. To gleam thereon by Elbereth, herself was set, who thither came. And then there's a bit more. But then... And so I took a note of that at first, like, ooh, Elbereth, I'm going to talk about that. But then as you keep reading, um, on page 250, we get this this thing here where um, they talk more about the Bilbo. Bilbo is the one who mentions this about the Blessed Realm. He says, um, 
They will sing that and other songs of the Blessed Realm many times tonight. Come on, because um, Frodo, Frodo says, It is a song to Elbereth. At first, I thought maybe the name Elbereth affected the ring wraiths because, like, it was, like, their true name. Like, one of them was, like, named Elbereth, and it was like, oh, you named me, like, you know. Um, right. But it seems like Elbereth is associated with the Blessed Realm and is is maybe closer to, like, this idea of, like, a goddess or a deity or, right? Like, it's like, yeah, like to... So not the sword I was thinking earlier. I, I don't I don't think so according to what we have here. It it sounds like maybe more like um it's like to to call upon their name. It's almost like if you were like that idea of like doing an exorcism and you're like the power of Christ compels you. Like just saying <laughs> the name is like enough to like ward back evil, you know? And I think we get a bit of a parallel here where like Elbereth is kind of you know, not exactly a stand-in for Jesus. Like, we just don't know enough to say that. But, like, certainly, um, I, I think a figure associated with, like, goodness and purity and and 100% associated with the Blessed Realm, whatever the fuck that means, Bilbo says as much. So, I think that's why it was so effective against them, the ring rates, uh earlier. And I thought it was interesting to see that here. And then the final thing, um, at least that I want to mention, has to do with um, has to do with Frodo and Bilbo. So Connor mentioned before when uh, Bilbo asks for the ring, Frodo's like, "Oh, I don't really know." And then Bilbo has this moment, you know, a shadow is cast over his face. He's he's overcome by the darkness and. I think it's a really sad moment because like you get this moment of like reunification. They're happy to see each other. And then Frodo's like, do I even know you? You know? Um, and, and Bilbo is ashamed too. Like everyone looks at him and he's like, Oh my God, like what the fuck did I just do? Like, you know, nothing about it is, is good. Like it's all awful. And then, you know, of course the chapter ends, like it wraps up with them, like reconciling. Like I thought it was really sweet that they have that moment, just gazing at the stars together. Um, however, what I really want to talk about is this, um, Bilbo has this line on page 244 that I felt like it was very apt for him to deliver. He says, don't adventures ever have an end? I suppose not. Someone else always has to carry on the story. And Bilbo, it, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic line. And there's a lot of weight to that coming from Bilbo, who, of course, is, you know, like this fading main character. Like, he was the person that we were following. And he's very aware himself that, like, the torch is passed. Like, I get this impression that Bilbo is, like, you know, he's like on death's door, you know, like, yeah, I, yeah. I, I think like he's Yoda. like waiting for his story to end. Yeah. Like Yoda, you know, and I just really love that idea that like he he's kind of like giving voice to this feeling that like you close the, the book, right. You know, you finish the Hobbit and you go like the story's done. 
But of course, like, it's not. Like, there's more. And it's not even just that there's more in the sense that we're reading The Lord of the Rings. Like, even if The Lord of the Rings didn't exist for some reason, and there was only ever The Hobbit, which of course is, like, weird, but, like, it, it's more about this feeling that it's, like, you know, endings are all artificial, you know, to, to say that the story is over is, is simply to say that you're not writing it anymore. But like, we all know that stories are reflections of like our own lives and, yeah. and there's no point where it's truly over. Like even when you die, like, you know, your, your influence presumably is, is still felt somewhere it you know it's it's still within the thoughts and feelings and hearts and remembrances of, of other people you know and um and i i just thought that bilbo was like a really great vessel to deliver that sentiment and that line of it you know it's like you get like that really great literal feeling of like the hobbit into the fellowship one character to the other you know like the story's not over you know the hobbit's done but the lord of the rings continues and and i think like also a lot of like the other bigger ideas that kind of like float around that that feeling and um i i thought that that moment was handled really well and i i really wanted to shout it out cool yeah yeah thank you I, I agree with that, and I think um, not not to uh, be a broken record, but it's very Doctor Who-y with regeneration going on. It's like, yeah, the story's over, but the story <laughs> never ends. Um, so, so yeah, I thought uh, I thought that was that was really well said by by Bilbo, and um, yeah, even if even if he does have some lingering effects you know from carrying the ring that long i feel like time away from it has done him good and and he he you know he does seem kind of more at peace i guess yeah yeah i mean um again like i, I do think it's a tough moment to like you know you, you get the feeling that he does it against his better judgment like he doesn't he doesn't really want the ring it's yes. like he's he's uh seduced by it you yeah. know like yeah. Giving in, giving into that uh, that urge. Yeah. One, one more hit before he, before he gets on the road. Yeah. Right. And then you're you're just left with like this sad old man, you know, just like kind of trembling in like the wake of that that moment and that feeling. And I I really I really felt like sorry for him. Um, so I was really happy that that like Frodo doesn't spend the rest of the night being like, oh, you know see you later bilbo like thought it would have been cool to hang out with you but i guess you're fucking crazy like you know but they he, you know he he really welcomes him in spite of that you know and they they still they still get to like share that time together and i um i thought that was really touching so yeah yeah i love this chapter really good agreed anything else you want to add i know we've been talking for a while thanks again as always guys um how do we feel yeah, that's that's all Tired. for me. I'm uh, I I am, ex- yeah. I I really want to know what the the council will say about the this this war to come. You know, I really want to uh, get I'm into attack on the rookies. Get into the uh, <laughs> the meat oh, of of goodness. the story. 
Um, but yeah, that's that's oh, it for me. Oh my goodness! Is it? Uh, do we have a lot coming up here, Josh? We're reading two chapters next week. Yes. Chapter two: The Council of Elrond. And my copy begins on page two hundred and ninety-six. It ends on page three hundred and thirty-six. Okay. That is forty. That is a forty-page chapter. And then chapter three is uh, do, 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 do. Uh, 337 to 365, so about 30 pages there. So we're looking at about 70 pages. Hmm. Um, well. <laughs> so what was okay. that about being a couple months until we got to the two towers? <laughs> Look, that's how much we're going to be reading this for, ne- for less than a week from now, since we're recording on a Thursday. Yeah, no, I, 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 looking at it now, um, for me, that would be about, um, it's about 55 pages in my book. Yeah. So, so it is big, but I mean, um, let's stick with it. That's the plan. We'll read the next two chapters and we'll just, uh, we'll get through another big chunk. Uh, let's, uh, let's fucking do it. All right, guys. Well, if you are interested in more oh chapter chumps, we got so much Zelda to play this weekend too. Fuck! Please go to cha- <laughs> Patreon.com/slash/chapterchumps. Uh, you can get more content and um, a vote in our our election process for choosing our the the next book that we read after the Lord of the Rings series, which will be in six years or so. Um, if you want to. Email us, please do so at Dune Dudes Pod. Oh, fuck Dune, I. You know what? <laughs> do you know what? No. Here's the real reason why I keep on saying that is because on on my recording program that I have, I I've got like a, a configuration that's set to record the podcast episodes, and it's yeah. it's still called Dune Dudes Basic because it's the same configuration I use when when we were filming. I mean, recording Dune Dudes. So I look at yeah. it every time as I'm about to like turn it off. So I just. So, oh my god yeah anyways maybe you gotta just rename it dude i know i should uh chapter jumps pod at gmail.com we are at chapter jumps on twitter and instagram uh but as always until next time keep it here for all things dune dudes wow what are you doing to my oh man oh no <laughs> <laughs>